are again. It is the I Get Buggets podcast, and I am your host as always, Mr. Simon Harricks, and we are doing the same. We are going through the NBA fantasy reviews for season 21-22. My level of excitement hasn't dipped just yet. We're still riding a high going into preseason basketball, only four days away now, so um, we're going to get some, some actual basketball, even though it's fake kind of play pickup game basketball it gets you through the other weeks as we come through a little bit easier I think to obsess and um, pick apart your team even more um, which I guess hopefully be positive but in my experience it's, it's mostly negative but <laughs> we could go through um, again we are doing another team this time around uh, we're going back to team number two um, to do all of the projections and thoughts around the players that they've taken and where they've taken them higher or lower or just right this is the Goldilocks kind of vibe going through each player. And then again, I will be taking all of this off the top on my thoughts. So it's the, the freestyle rap equivalent of a podcast here today. Um, Daddy MC Simo bringing you hot takes live. And um, hopefully I don't choke and we can do all right here today. So <laughs> um, we're going to get uh, into it very quickly and... I think we spoke about the the top two this year. So if it wasn't uh, Giannis going at number one, if we're looking at pick two, it's going to be Nikola Jokic, and it is an easy pick this time round. I think um, the only other argument was whether you really feel Luca's going to come into his own um, more than what he did last year, and I think 100% that's something that can happen, especially if he improves his three-point shooting, but... I think the average of, of 39.4 um, last year for Nikola Jokic, everything that he's doing, even without you know Jamal Murray projecting forward, um, I just think it's just an easy decision for me to lock in. He, he plays every single game. Um, it's, it's a no-brainer. And again, I think, especially this year, um, you can talk yourself into the other players, but I think the teams who've picked one and two um, have given themselves a player that kind of gives them... A big advantage um, on any given day um, when you're looking at what they can kind of give you to round out your daily score. Um, obviously, it depends on what you get on the return round two, but from the immediate outset, you don't have to sweat. You don't have to panic about your first round pick. I think it's easy, settled, good decision. So for a few of us who are sweating a little bit more on it, um, the coach of, for fuck's sake, this time um, doesn't have to do that. Quick and easy for Nikola Jokic, I reckon. I mean, I could talk a little bit more. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've let myself down with, with only one minute on him, but um, I just don't think there's too much more to say. I think, you know, he showed the range. And, you know, he can improve that a little bit, but I wouldn't want him to be taking too much um, more three attempts, I think. Get down, you know, that triple-double um, vibes with the passing. Um, the defeats get better, so maybe you can get the numbers there, but I think, you know, last season was really the the ceiling kind of MVP Jokic that you want and you're just looking on, on backing that again. So good on him. Um, I think the the one that's kind of slipped all the way next to him is, is DeMarta Sabonis. And I really kind of dig this pick. I think he was one that players, because of his average of 33.1 last year, kind of automatically enters like on that top 10 kind of realm just based on his average and then every team would have him here and then slowly kind of bump him down because 
you know, I reckon one, there's a fear that he's not going to replicate the numbers that he did last year. That might go down as really his career year, his year that he was an all-star, um, like a few of these other big men that we see, you know, have that one or two years when they're all-star. You know, the scenarios were, were, were right for kind of Sabonis to, to take his team on the back, but I think Indiana are going to be a little bit better. Are they worried about you know, him getting the touches as much and being as offensively dominant as he kind of was. Um, I think that, in, in my film, you know, gives you a little bit of hesitancy to pick, pick him where he ranked based on his average, and that's why you bump him down. But I think he, you know, showed last year his, his kind of counting numbers way to be, you know, quite dominant, the, the passing. It was a real benefit and bonus that... You, you saw a bonus for Sabonis in, in what he was bringing to his game. I think, you know, the rebounding was, was a nice kind of touch last year and something that I think you you can't just bank on automatically that he's going to get 12 rebounds again. But what he was really good at was to kind of get those junk um, rebounds that the best um, fantasy stack guys do, you know, the missed free throws, the the shortened kind of pop layups where he's the only guy say, clear out, I've got these ones, you know, and then, you know, still do a little bit of the, the other stuff on, on the hard work. But, you know, he's he's getting the numbers that the other players aren't. And <laughs> I think that f- feeds really well into him kind of replicating a little bit. You know, I I don't think it'd be surprising if he, if he doesn't reach as the levels of what he did last year. But, I mean, at pick 19 was, you know, six above where I had him on the, my board. I had him at 13 because I thought there's every reason why he goes really close to that and I think he's quite safe compared to some of the other picks there so um, to go kind of Jokic into Sabonis I think you've built you know the first two pillars of, of, of your front court really um, and fantasy kind of gold with, with that so um, I'd be really happy with, with Sabonis waiting there I would have taken him over players like Rudy Gobert who went you know one pick earlier um, and even you know Damian Lillard and, and Fred Van Vliet who, who did get drafted earlier I did have him all above these ones, so I reckon it's a, it's a really good safe pick. I think um, next we have the inspiration for for Fox sake, and he's gone De'Aaron Fox, and again, like I I think it's fine because he's he's gone kind of a little bit safe for the first two that he can take a little bit of risk on a player that is gonna potentially take another leap. So the first two, you know, you know career years. Maybe they're not going to take another step forward, but you bank on what they did last year. Darren Fox, in my mind, falls into the same category. I do think in the same way, he took a huge step forward. He had a career year, um, and he potentially doesn't have that next step, that this is kind of hopefully what you think he's going to be, and a 28.3 average is what you bank on him when you draft him. And that's why he was a little bit lower than some of the other players that I had on the on, on kind of the the mark to go in round, you know, three and four. So I had him at 29 on my big board and he goes here at 22. So it's not too much earlier. And I think coach would be thinking there's that another step forward for De'Aaron Fox. I watched a lot of him last year. I think you can talk yourself into that, especially with some of the shooting. Um, he's shown to being, you know, like lightning quick. Um, he's not like the best passer still. I think he's quick and he reads offense, but, um, he, you know, he doesn't have the the leading kind of passing playmaking ability. It's more just, you know, I'm going to use my quickness and handles and try and get someone. And if I get in trouble, dish out for, <laughs> for the three. Feels like that's more of his game rather than 
an architecture of an offense. And I think that's probably some where some of the limitations are with his game going forward. I think he got a lot better at finishing at the rim with some of his pop shots. But so, you know, a lot of what you watch, it, it feels quite fluky on whether it's going in or not. It kind of just like throws them up. Um, and that's, you know, being quite critical and probably not fair to, to some of the the rate of what he was doing. But it just it just felt like it was a little bit haphazard. And sometimes you got big games or sometimes you got games where they're really kind of impacted by shooting. In that respect, he will be one of the players, I think, that will benefit from the slight adjustment. But again, it's only slight. Um, I think the Kings, especially if they you know, do enter the realm for, for Ben Simmons. Um, you know, that's a real kind of long shot and you don't draft based on that. But I think where I people would point to with De'Aaron De- Fox's next step, I think it's quite, you know, obvious into what I've been saying as well as the three-point shooting. But I just, I think it's, it's not your next evolutionary guaranteed step that you have with some of the other players. I think he kind of really maximized some of the things that they were doing with him for the, with the keys in Sacramento but um, you know they do have a lot of adjustments on, on what they think can make them the best team and from an outsider looking in I do feel like Tyrese Harold Burton has a lot to do with that and I've mentioned on the pod I, I, I don't know if I would have given De'Aaron Fox the max um, I think you're Sacramento so you, you kind of have to do it but I'm curious on, on what they think De'Aaron Fox and what the Sacramento King can be with Fox as their best player is, is what I'm probably saying. So, um, they're, they're my, I just think it's a little early um, with some of the other talent on the board. But if you've got a snappy name like that and to get someone with Dwayne, it's, it's not a bad pick for sure. Um, it, it, it's fine. I just had him a little bit lower because of some of my concerns there. Um, but yeah, we, we go to the next one. And here, here's another one that I think you can really say he's going to gonna take a, a more of a step, and it's it's Jar Morant at pick 39. So um, I think this is the right kind of fair time that you would take Jar Morant. He did underwhelm last year, um, you know, his average of, of 22.7, and I think he, he probably went in round three last year, expecting that huge leap forward. Potentially, this is the year, um, again, it's... He kind of got the minutes last year, <clears throat> excuse me, and now it's going to, okay, can we piece it together with some of the shooting and the scoring? Um, he is someone that, you know, with with an average of, of 19.1 points can push that up to, you know, he's, he's 35, um, sorry, more of that 25 to kind of 27 points. I wouldn't be shocked, especially because of what he did in the playoffs. I think he averaged close to that 30 in the playoffs, so... It's all kind of there for him. He has been like hyped up, I think, potentially a fraction more than what we've seen based in fantasy um, and what he's been able to, to kind of bring to Memphis being, you know, a team that's been around in making, you know, the playoffs almost unexpectedly. Um, but I think at 39, it's the right time to go. I had him at 38 on the board in a lot of, um, the same kind of thought process that on this back end of four, there was a little bit of a break in terms of talent um, that's gone. So the players that, you know, went before him in this round, like your Jalen Brown and your Zach Levines and even your Lamella Balls to an extent, um, now, 
you know, is the time to take Jam around because I, I want him more than people who who have gone um, after like a, a Siakam or, or a Harrell or uh, I shouldn't say Harrell. I'm listing off the names. I don't <laughs> definitely take him for Harrell. <laughs> we'll get to Harrell when we get to um, that review. But your Ingrams and stuff, I think he has that next level to go. And because it's not, it's like evident for you to, 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 to see it, but because of kind of um, some of the concerns at, at Memphis and, and his all-round kind of game, um, it's it's a fair risk for you to take him here, and I wouldn't have taken him much earlier. So that's kind of what I'm saying. Like I, I quite like it. He's one of those players that can really um, form out a competitive you know, upper echelon fantasy team when you take players like that at the right moment. So it's not going to burn you because they've got that base level. But, you know, there's probably 10 players that have been drafted in the top 50 that you see that you would say, I could really feel can go from like good to elite. And Ja Morant is one that stands out, um, you know, for me and probably for everyone. So I think to take him, you know, in round four is smart. And the next one, a player that I... I think I just mentioned in, in Brandon Ingram at pick forty two. I think I think is is, is is a good pick. I had him at thirty six and in that respect I think it's quite good. I, other people are probably thinking like me and maybe this is a bit of a theme that's become quite evident, I think, in um the coaches team here, that a lot of the, the picks for me are players that probably have, have hit their ceiling fantasy wise outside of, of John Morant now. But um Brandon Ingram is another one that I think has has really shown he's taken that leap. He's had the, the average of twenty five point seven last year. And you know, people might seem like, oh, because of the dynamic, you know, in um, New Orleans, if they're looking, you know, how to identify a winning culture or, or what's the way forward and, you know, you another big step from Ingram isn't, you know, like completely paved out. It's more like he's going to fulfill the role and kind of give you what you want. Um, and that's why potentially he, he bumped down, you know, over some of the other guys that you think, you know, you want to take in this sphere. So I think on, on that aspect, that's why Ingram falls behind, you know, a few of the other players. But again, this is the time that, you know, you, you take him. I think he goes before some of the other players that are a little bit more risky. I think... There's lots of conversations around whether Ingram thinks he's still the guy <laughs> with, you know, the potential of Zion Williamson and a few other young players. But, and I've been historically an Ingram guy in terms of his his game kind of reminding me of that mini Durant-esque with his scoring and the way he can kind of create his own shot and get to the line. Um, his, his counting numbers has been the big thing that kind of pushed him up as well. Um, and it'd be interesting to see with a new, you know, coach at New Orleans what they feel like his role is long term. But I mean, I still think he's, and they, you know, they paid him accordingly. That he's 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 the guy that's kind of gonna do a lot of the heavy lifting on the scoring, um, and still give you every part of that twenty five point seven that he got last year. So um, I think I think I think it's fair, but it is in that mold where. I'm not. I'd be surprised if some of these players really take a huge leap on what they did last year. Again, outside of drafts, yeah. So if they they match their average or push it by one, I reckon coach would be stoked because he's drafted them based on their average and what they did last year and them replicating that. And if they do, 
um, he's in really good stead moving forward. Um, now, this is the one that's... And this coach, you know, as, as far as kind of what I've said with a few picks, is, is not one that's going to play it safe. It's going to take a few risks and, and bank on players that he really likes. And we've seen that in, in the past kind of pay off in a big way because his understanding of, of the players and, and their, their role and, and their expectations for has have worked. This one is a risk, and it's not a, a young player kind of role risk, but I think a lot of people are out on the idea of Yusuf Nurkic, um, and here at, at pick 59 is is one that I think you know potentially pay off, but it's a real question mark for me. I, I had him down, um, I think, you know based on his average and what he used to do quite um, early, but then every time I'd kind of have plays pass him, and I'd, I'd bump him down off you know, my rankings and, and what I thought he was going to be doing, but it really is potential on, on some of the, the little things at Portland. And an average of 21.7 last year is, is super healthy, but I'm just, you know, we, we only saw real glimpses of, of that last year and with injury and everything like that, you know, I think people were banking on him just kind of returning to what he would do. And it was quite evident early that, outside of, 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 you know, big games of consistency is harder to get there. And, you know, with Cody Zeller and Larry Nance Jr., you know, a commitment from Portland potentially that they've gone small at times, whether, you know, depending on how they play uh, Covington, I think, you know, is really interesting moving forward. But there was a hesitancy for me to kind of take him um, above some of the other big men that were there. So that's why I had him at 77 on my ranking. Um, so 59, I, like I do feel like it's a, it's a risk to kind of take him uh, this early. But again, it's, you know, it's more a projection of what he can't do than what he can do. And if he can do some of the things that we've seen before, um, again, it's if he matches, you know, that 21.7 average and even push it a little bit more, I, like I do think there's there's room for him to to go above that, but I would I'd be playing on more the hesitancy that he doesn't, and even if he doesn't, it's more him staying on the court and being assured in the uh, the role that he plays. You know, he's the number one guy, and I think Portland are very aware that you know what he brought and how how good and important he was. But I just think again, it's like okay, well, what? How do we play the basketball that maximizes us not being a eighth or lot you know a, a plain kind of team in the west and i think it's open this year with some of the west's um problems and injuries but again i'm just he's one that i'm not always sold on and there's been a couple of times in fantasy reviews that i've said that and been burnt but um it's 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 a feeling that you know i i struggle with taking yusuf nurkic that early because we've got this idea of of what he did in like three weeks for portland um, and that's very harsh, <laughs> but it's just something that I kind of keep keep coming back to a little bit. Um, but but moving forward, when we get to pick sixty two, um, coach has taken Kevin Porter Jr. and they, you know this is more of the momentum into some of those risks that I was talking about. Kevin Porter Jr. was almost the exact opposite of Nurkic. When I had him on the rankings, I just I couldn't <laughs> drop him quick. Like it was just kept going on. Kevin Porter Jr. is one. Originally, I kept. Um, jumping back because I was like, I'm not sure of his role. What can we kind of see through last year? I know he scored, you know, 50, 10, 50 point tennis this game, but what's real? Um, 
Houston is, you know, such a, a collective kind of struggle to get a hold of. And now we've got Jalen Green. Um, so initially when I started doing everything, I, I was a little bit wary of some of the stuff. But then the more we kind of heard, no, no, John Wall doesn't have a role with our team. Kevin Porter Jr., you know, despite his past, you know, he's bought into the squad. We're all about him. We see the talent. We have assured him he's like a point guard role. We're playing him next to Jalen Green. You know, he just kept moving up and up and up. And he was one of those guys that I really felt, you know, could be a middle round um, bolter dude that people um, could, could benefit from getting. And I think... The coaches is, is on the exact same wavelength. Um, the numbers that you know were so positive last year. Um, the idea is that that you know translates straight in the season, and we see a whole whole year of it. Um, and so at pick sixty two, I think go for it. Good, great. Um, all I'm, I'm I'm all on board. I had him at pick seventy on my big board, and I think um, there were you know there's still some hesitation because you you only really done it for twenty games, so. Let's not bank on him as a, a certainty to you know burn too much of an early pick when you've got other players still on the board. But this was the time where I'd be quite comfortable, you know, to take him, especially if you feel more positive than even I was, um, you know, about some of those things. So um, there's a few few players I went after him that I probably had ranked a little bit higher um, that I think's a little bit more bankable, um, and I'm talking. I think I've got, you know, D'Angelo Russell and even Tyrese Halliburton I'm quite big on this year. But, you know, I had him, you know, quite close to, to where he want. And if you ask me to do my rankings again, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably have him higher than I have um, had him then. So um, I think it's it's, it's, it's a really... In- I should. I always say this is an inter- interesting pick. I'm, I'm starting to try and go away <laughs> from saying that every single time. Um but I, again, I think it's that those one of those ones that, looking back at the end of the year, can really pay off. But in saying that, you know, it is early enough that if it doesn't pan out the way, um, and there's lots of avenues for it not to, it it does hurt you. But I feel very comfortable in his role um, every single week before the season, and and we'll see it good. Um, big way, and then Isaiah Stewart. So another one that I think was a bit of a bolter for people. Um, and again, he was, he was more in the, I think he's taken him like 20, 30 places more than I had him at, but that you can talk me into it in a big way. The defense obviously would be that there's no Mason Plumley. you know, they're young, they're going to get better. Um, and he's going to take a large amount of the minutes and the opportunity. And we saw late last year, he's more of that kind of minute darling that, when he gets the opportunity, the rebound numbers are really good and he's going to be able to be, hopefully, this double-double machine guy that um, can be quite a lot fantasy-wise. These, these are all projecting on the positives and why you were taking a pick 79. And I think there's every chance that they, they come out. The hesitations are that you know, you're projecting him to do all these things and they've brought in Kelly Olenek. You know, they still think that you know, you've... You've got this whole piece of like Cape Cunningham and Killian Hayes and everything that I'm not sure how it's going to work yet. And ideally, you know, they play different positions. So Isaiah Stewart is, is together with these guys. But um, I do think it's a quite raw, young team. And that Isaiah Stewart still might be in a similar role last year 
with just that little bit more expectation for him to take a mini step. And he's not coming into a place where he's an undrafted guy all the way to, to pick 79. Um, they do have things with his scoring that they'd be worried about, that even if he comes in and he's, he's getting, you know, your 8, 9, 10, 11 rebounds a game, is he being able to score, you know, 7, 8 points more, like, to, to really make it kind of come across on the, on the stat sheet of, you know, being worth worth this pick quite quite early, I think, in terms of the expectation what was for him. So I see I see the, the backstory, I see the reasoning. Um, you put stock in these guys that are taking new roles, but I think sometimes it can be, you have to have a little bit of trepidation with expecting big guys with big minutes means big fantasy scores, like, automatically. And it's a hard one to balance because I know, with it's your your Jakob Pertles or even like um, on the other kind of scale, your Valentunas or or some of these guys where you know the minutes kind of translate. It's it's not for for all of them, and I think this one has potential to to kind of hurt. Um, but again, the more and more I kind of look on it, the more I understand and I, I buy into it. Um, but I think the first, you know, two, three weeks will be really interesting to watch him. And I would have been comfortable with him taking him a couple of picks after. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Derek White, I think this is the second year again that he's, he's taken him in a row. Again, it's this, do you think him being in the Spurs and getting an allotment of minutes is, is quite automatic for him to, to have a rebound season based on one that was obviously quite injury prone, but even I felt like when he was a court, you know, he wasn't giving you everything that that you wanted. There's still a little bit of murkiness on him playing next to to Murray. I feel, you know, is the shooting gonna be what you need to meet? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks for me to to take him um, and pick eighty two, uh, and then. It's one of those ones, yeah. When when you kind of have him, have to have him on the board because um, he's going to get a get a role. But we're two years removed from him being like, okay, this is the new, um, you know, guy that's shown us a little bit that we need to be aware of. For me to go, okay, I gotta I gotta have him, you know, this early. So I had him at at one hundred and fifteen on my board. So it was a, it was a little bit later, and that's. I just think the Spurs in a similar way to your your Orlando or even your Houston in a way that they will kind of see what sticks and it's a little bit of a, an open kind of realm for who's going to kind of step into to see some of the, the counting stat positions and Derek White. Um, yeah, I don't think it's as automatic as what some of the assumptions would be for him. Um, and that, that's the only reason I kind of bumped him down. I was a little bit worried about the the floor for him and he you know he's seventeen point six average I think you know is replicable quite easily if he's healthy um, but I just don't think it's automatic. On the other hand, though, Keldon Johnson at pick ninety nine uh, inject that shit into my veins. I'm all about it. I think it's a good pick. I had him at seventy five on my board. Um, I think you know what we saw last year. Everything I just said about the Spurs, the role that he kind of goes into, his time with Team USA, I just think regardless of Thaddeus Young being there, I think they're going to find and kind of nurture a role for him. We've seen that he counts stats very easily. He's one of those like 
I think he's that, you know, Kyle Anderson vibe with like more of a, a attack the basket kind of like hustle kind of guy. And I think it, it just spells really kind of positive, good things for someone that I want to round out my team in. I think when I say the floor, I think the floor is quite high for him. Like in terms of, of him averaging 16.8 last year, I think if he gets, you know, even a similar role, him just being on the court is going to give us a production that's going to get quite similar to that. And then if we see the leap that potentially he does have, it really can push that, you know, 20-plus point, like, average. And to get that at pick 99, I think, is is something you'd be stoked on. Um, big on the Keldon Johnson thing. I think there's a reason why they, they speak so highly about him. I think that's the reason why he was invited to Team USA. Um, I just think there's all these good things for me to feel very positive about um, him taking another step on the back of being one of the best undrafted kind of players to come through last year. So put me down. Very happy about all of this. Um, Miles Bridges, though, is is one that I'd be more worried about. So I guess with the Charlotte um, thing this year, I, I found it quite hard to kind of to place a, a lot of the Charlotte teams. And this will be something that comes up a little bit. But, um, you know, I thought out of all the players that are worth drafting, you know, there is a good seven from Charlotte that I'd be really interested in. And Miles Bridges was probably the, the least of all of them. Because um, I think he, you know, he lends himself to more that kind of microwave sixth man guy that might be pushed down because of... The addition of Kelly Oubre Jr., some of the kind of young draft picks, whether it's Book Knight or someone kind of coming through. Um, and I just, I like, I see him being this highlight kind of hustle guy. Obviously, he has his relationship with Lamella Ball. Um, he, he, he was really consistent over some of the, the patches last year, but he was, you know, dropped and added and dropped and added because the floor for, for what he gives you is, is, isn't as high as, as some of the other players. And I think that might only drop because from what we've been able to see him do, um, I don't say, oh, well, you know, he's going to be a better scorer. He's going to be a better rebounder. I just think he's this athletic, high-octane kind of, you know, finisher, run-the-floor kind of dude. And you'll get good games and you'll get bad games. And it's someone that I would rather hedge my bets with with otherwise that that gives me a little bit more kind of strings to the bow and again that's kind of just where where my kind of thought was was about it so he's gone at pick 112 and I had him at 127 on my board um and that was more kind of I mean he's probably deserved to be 127 but I I wouldn't have been stoked about taking him other than in the past the last like couple of rounds just because he rounds out at least you know <laughs> some kind of value so yeah I mean I personally am not really big on where Miles Bridges is gonna gonna go this year um Evan Mobley <laughs> is a real kind of unknown for me I think um his, his rookie kind of hype is that he's gonna be really really good and he's the perfect to pick for the Cavs and all of those good things, but when you you look at it through you know the fantasy prism of this year, um, a lot of rookies that we see come through are like really hard to own early, and then come through and become quite um, huge boosts late in the season. And this is where you probably see Evan Mobley kind of fit. 
I like I think obviously that the conundrums with with the Cleveland roster in you know bringing in Larry Markin and having Kevin Love still there. Obviously Jared Allen's you know you said you just paid him a hundred million dollars. Evan Mobley I think with this future aspect, even though you know some of the things are like oh, he's, he's quite ready to play. Um, you know he's young, he's raw, he's gonna have to earn his minutes. He's gonna um, not be able to, you know, instantly score on offense. So it's going to be really relied on, you know, can he can he get a lot of rebounds really to, to make him fantasy viable? And I don't think that's really that evident straight away. Um, potentially as things shake out for Cleveland and, you know, they get a little bit of a look at him and they can kind of work him into the sets and give him more opportunity. Like he will grow into a role that I think could be very worthy and important for, for a roster as they push the end. But, I think it's going to be hard to own early and uh, we do see some of these guys, you know, really be a struggle to own unless some of the other players are picking it up. So I think most teams would have been very happy to roll the dice on him late um, in the in the draft and then we're probably a little bit curious on, on, on seeing if he did fall and not want to gamble too early with, with that one. So I kind of bunched him originally with... Um, picks and then kept dropping him and kept dropping him on my board. So um, I think I think it's fine. It's basically where I had him on my board, but that is more again, as I say, it's it's not a firm kind of <laughs> prism for me because you know I had him ranked behind guys like um, you know your Marvin Bagley and your Wendell Carters and your your Larry Markinens and your Fourniers and your your Bobby Boucher, like all these guys I think were a more, you know, better proper avenue for fantasy success in, in rounding out a team. Um, so I do think it's a bit of a risk um, for you to put yourself out and ever mobile at this stage. Unless, you know, Kevin Love goes, something happens, his injury and, and things kind of fall into line and the dominoes fall for, for him to, to have a, a pathway real early. But, I think it's, it is a bit of a risk. Marcus Smart um, keeps playing his way to be drafted a little bit earlier every year, I think. And um, because he, he's one of those, again, he plays, he just does enough to, to be ownable every single year. And I think he's shown that he's, he's not just that anymore. He has a scoring um, kind of bow to, to his defense and he's a little bit better than what probably people think these days still. Um, I had him at 122 on my board, so to get him at 122, <laughs> again, is one of those ones where all I can say is good um, based on what I had. But again, he, he, he's less risky, I think, with, with what Boston's doing. With, you know, obviously, a couple of their, their guard rotations, he, he's got the minutes. Obviously, with a new coach, it's going to be a little bit interesting kind of what they do. I think it's fine. I'm just I'm not gonna talk my way into it or out of it anyway. It's fine. Um, Will Barton with your second last pick I get because of the whole Nuggets thing with um, no Jamal Murray. You know I don't think we can count on Campasso. You know really long term. Monte Morris isn't it's like he's gonna get opportunities to pick up the scoring, and this is probably where you think. I just think we've seen enough of Will Barton for me to go, yeah, meh, don't care. Um, and that's 
a lazy analysis. That's <laughs> very lazy. Um, but as well, she will kind of tell you from ownership, it, it, it's hard to rely on him from week to week. He'll be one of the ones that's frustrating. Um, and unless he kind of bolts out of the season, which he may do, but I would be met, bet more that this coach is you know, one that's going to tinker and find advantages in free agency. And he's one that would probably be waving his hand saying, um, I'm probably dispensable. <laughs> um, but the whole Denver scenario, you can see why you'd want to take a, a risk on him. And in the second last round, of course, why not? Josh Giddy, everything I said about Mo, oh, no, no, I shouldn't say that. But with I just, it's hard to see a pathway for him to be really important early, and I, I really hope so. I think, based on what we saw in the NBL, you know, his height, his his tempo, and his his passing, and some of the things that make him really, really good and game changing, um, is evident and why he got drafted so early, but. I want to see how it kind of translates to the pace of the NBA. His shooting needs to get a lot better. Um, I think they're going to put him in position to, to learn a lot more early and that that's, he's a bit of a long-term game. You know, he lasted the best part of four minutes in, in summer league, which doesn't make me thrilled. But, I mean, that's not here. Like, it's not his fault he turned his ankle. Um, but with the kind of rotating OKC players potentially later in the season... Maybe we have these glimpses, but even then, it's hard for me to imagine a real pie, you know, piece of the OKC pie for him to carve out. But it's your last pick, and it's time to take risks because the OKC is, you know, so so fluctuating outside of, um, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander. But it's it's just yeah, I, there's other interesting OKC pieces, especially some of the ones they take last year that I think project more firmly for what I think they're going to do this season outside of Josh Giddy. So I think it's fun. Um, I'm glad he got drafted. Um, I want to watch him. I think everyone wants to watch him. I just think, again, he'll be with Will Barton saying, uh, if you want to make changes, I'm probably the one that's going to have to <laughs> be be nominated. And, and that's fine. Um, overall, um, I think hopefully it kind of hits the nail on, on some of the things. I think he's afforded him... The coaches afforded themselves a, a way to kind of um, be, you know, a bit risky with some of the, the picks late because of real kind of firm, bankable guys up top. Um, but outside of, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., a lot, like a lot of the risks I think are going to be, um, poten- you know, are, are quite potentially going to back. I think the Isaiah Stewart one's a real um, kind of needle like like it could fall either way and that might really dictate um some of the things i know it's, that sounds weird to kind of put on one player but staring staring at this you know the squad that we've got um he he really kind of stands out for me um and yusuf nurkic yeah we'll see how he kind of goes back but i love the idea of ja Morant taking a step I, I love the idea of kelvin johnson and we all know you know if there's problems he'll be tinkering and, and giving guys a go so um yeah, another team down, another team down, and we're banging in on forty minutes, so I'm I'm feeling good about how this is going. Um, I'll just um won't, it's it's a lot of waffle, but I think we end end up with a, a result that's <laughs> at least achieving the desired um outcome. So more basketball soon, and I'm loving talking about the players, and I'm really excited to to get a guest 
review of my team, hopefully, very soon. So thanks again, everyone. Hoping we're all getting a kick out of this and it's helping people suffer through lockdown a little bit easier and um, Friday feelings for this one. So let's get on the beers and have a good one. Um, and hopefully it's not raining all the time. Peace out, lovelies.